Good morning, North Boulevard. I'm so proud of you that you decided to do this today. I know change is hard on all of us, but, um, but I think we're doing the right thing today. And we're not sure how long we'll have to do this. Maybe only this week, maybe for a couple of months. Um, and you know that we've been changing what we were gonna do on Sunday as the week has gone by. But when Friday night came around and the president issued a, um, a, a national emergency, and then the governor actually asked that we not meet in groups of more than 250, we just thought really, we need to honor that. And um, we love our neighbors, we love you, and we don't wanna be part of a reason why a pandemic gets spread even further. So this way we can all meet together. And the cool thing that you can know right now is that while you're meeting in front of your screen with North Boulevard, literally hundreds of other members of North Boulevard are also sitting in front of their screens so that we're all one, we're all still one congregation and we all still get to worship together. And uh, maybe this actually can be a really cool thing for us. I don't wanna keep doing it, but, uh, but I'm, I'm okay doing it today. And I think probably we made a good decision. You probably know that uh, I think by now all the other large churches in Murfreesboro have made the same decision. And I think we'll be glad we made this decision. Um, I just do wanna say this. So check back every single week because we're not sure from week to week what's gonna happen and how we're gonna pull this off. But uh, at least for today, let's make the best of this. Let's have a great time of worship together. And uh, as the book of Acts says in chapter 246, the early church was united house to house and we can do the same today. So Sean, I think you're gonna lead us in some worship. Yeah. Then I've got an abbreviated sermon, some reflections, and then we'll do communion together. All right, so church, it is an honor for me this is an honor to meet with you today in your homes. This is an honor to worship with you in your homes. This is pretty cool that we have the ability and the technology to do this as we had to make decisions like we have for today. So we are going to sing together now. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Sure, it might be awkward, but will you sing? Sing together, North Boulevard. Let's worship and praise his name, Jesus Christ, our hope. Here we go. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. Unto the Lord, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before his throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Here we go. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. 
Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea. Let all creation praise His name from the ends of the earth. From the depths of the sea, let all creation praise His name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord, the splendor of the King, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God! Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end. Beginning and the end, the Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me, how great. How great, how great is our God. One more time, church. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our church. Let's pray together this morning. Almighty, infinite, powerful, creator God, we know that you are in charge. Thank you for the comfort. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the joy. 
Thank you for the incredible peace that we have in the name of Jesus Christ, no matter what. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this incredible blessing to worship, to worship alongside North Boulevard, to worship alongside so many families and small groups in homes. Thank you for this blessing. God, we do pray for the power of Jesus Christ in this situation. Father, in this situation, we pray for healing. We pray for resolution. We pray for safety. We pray for health. We submit to you. I ask for more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, wash over us. Give us wisdom. Give us joy. Give us love. You are good. You are holy. Thank you for this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, church. All right, we're going to sing one more song, Blessed Be Your Name, before David Young delivers our message. So here we go. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise when the darkness closes in lord still i will say blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your glorious name and blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise when the darkness closes in lord still i will say blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your name blessed be the name of the lord blessed be your glorious name you give and take Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Blessed be your glorious name. Praise the Lord. That's good. Actually, maybe we should consider doing that more often. Great job, guys. I was, uh, I'm all into the songs. Great. So thank you again for coming. I'm really glad that you're here and uh, glad that you gathered around and you're with, I don't know how many people, but hundreds, maybe a couple of thousand other people who are also part of the service right now as we meet from house to house and, uh, and just reinforce who we are. We are the people of God. Um, so what do we make of this uh, pandemic? I want to tell you a story. I was in uh, India, you know this, I was in India probably, uh, well, it's 2015, and we spent a day at a leprous colony. And there at that leprous colony, there were a lot of um, ministers and, and people had just devoted their lives to taking care of the lepers. So I don't know how many, but they ran, they ran services for all these lepers and there were hundreds of lepers there. And uh, my guess is there were 30 or 40 different people who had committed their lives to caring for the lepers. As I was getting ready to leave, I spoke to one of the ministers, so probably one of the lead guys at this colony, and I said to him, aren't your people afraid of, of catching leprosy um, by being here and um, even maybe even dying? And he gave me the world's most beautiful answer. It's an answer that's never left me. It stuck with me. He said, no, we're not afraid at all. He said, we already died when we accepted Jesus as our Savior. From now on, he says, nothing can harm us. You know, the Christian church has been through thick and thin. We've actually been through this before, through pandemics and famines and pestilence and war and depressions. The people of God know how to stand firm because the people of God have already given our lives to the hands of a gracious and a loving God. What we know is that God is still sitting on his throne and King Jesus is still king. We've been here before. In the year 252, a pandemic broke out in the Roman Empire. It was one of the worst pandemics in history because it was far, that far back. We don't know as much about it, but we do know that at its height, as many as 5,000 people a day were dying just in the city of Rome. The Christians rose to the occasion. Uh, one of the Christian leaders at that time was a guy by the name of Dionysius, and he, uh, he led the Christians out into the streets they opened hospitals. They cared for the sick and the dying. In fact, they were so effective at caring for the world that that's probably one reason why the Christian religion eventually took over the Roman Empire. People were so impressed by the steadfastness, the, the grace, the love, the confidence that Christians displayed. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, some years later, uh, an emperor by the name of Justin, he's called a heretic, um, he, he, he got angry with Christians and he said, you guys messed us up when you were so nice to those people during that last pestilence. He said, everyone ran to your side because they saw how much you loved them and how much we didn't love them. Well, you know, uh, Christians demonstrated the same kind of care during the bubonic plagues. So in the 14th century and even after that, all across Europe, as the bubonic plague, the Black Death swept across Europe, as many as one fourth, maybe even one third of the people died in that plague. And you know who was always there to serve and love and provide stability and hope and a great compass for the people? It was always the church. So churches were turned into hospitals. Um, members of the church would go out and serve in the community. The leaders of the churches were, uh, they were always on the front lines, sometimes risking their own lives, in some occasions even losing their own lives. 
In the year 1527, a plague swept across the city of Wittenberg, Germany. Now, if you know anything about church history, you know that that's the city of Martin Luther, the great reformer, the, the father of the Reformation movement. Luther, when the plague hit the city of Wittenberg, Luther was asked by the prince of that area to leave so that he could spare his life. They thought Luther's too, he's too important to die. And Luther said, absolutely not. There's no way I'm going to die. Uh, no, no way I'm going to live. I'm going to stay right here with my people. I'm going to love on my people. I'm going to serve my people. And Luther actually asked, I think, a fascinating question. He didn't say, what would Jesus do? Luther said, what would you do if it was Jesus who was sick? So Luther said, I think the women and the children, this is his language, they need to go on and leave Wittenberg. We need to keep them safe. Those who are frail, those who are weak, uh, those who are susceptible to this disease, they should leave too. Let's quarantine them for their safety. But then Luther said, those of us who are strong, and uh, again, in his world, he, he was thinking mostly males, but women as well. His wife was a very strong woman, a very influential woman. He said, we need to stay and show the love of Jesus to these folks. Here's another fascinating time that the Christian church rose to the occasion. In 1918, the so-called Spanish flu swept across the world. It was right towards the end of the First World War. As many as 50 million people died in that pandemic, one of the worst pandemics in the history of the world. When it struck the U.S., which it struck in real force in September and October of 1918, uh, various uh, municipalities asked the churches to stop meeting. In Washington, D.C., they asked the church just to hold off meeting until the pandemic went away. And every single church in Washington, D.C. voluntarily said, we're going to put a hold on it. And the politicians would say, during the hour that you would normally be at church, spend time praying to God that he would rescue us from this pandemic. We actually had a member at North Boulevard, a wonderful woman, Eula Craddock. She passed away several decades back. Eula actually was a child when the Spanish flu hit Middle Tennessee, she lived not too far from Murfreesboro, out in the county, here in Rutherford County. And she told me one time, this was, of course, before she passed away, I think she said she lost eight family members within a period of six weeks to the Spanish flu. And I said to her, you know, what did you do? And she said, we had our church as our family. We had our church. I'm just telling you all this because I want to make sure that we understand that the church, we as Christians, we actually are being called to a very special role right now in the world. We're the people who can show hope. We're the people who can show the love of Jesus. We can show confidence that Jesus is still king and he's never going to step off his throne. He's not going to resign. He's not going to be impeached. No one's going to remove Jesus. He is king. He always was king and he always will be king. We actually have a special role right now that we can serve. And that takes me to the book of Acts. We've been working through the book of Acts, as you well know. And you might be delighted to know that the book of Acts deals with this subject as well. So in the church at Antioch, it was um, the church rose to the occasion when they discovered really a Mediterranean wide or, wide, or maybe even a worldwide uh, this time it was not a pandemic, but it was a famine. Let me read it to you, and then I'll make a few comments. So I'm in Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, there's two things I want you to remember about Antioch. Antioch is on the, what we call the border now of Turkey and Syria. It was a major city in the time of New Testament, a very important city. And it was named after one of the generals of Alexander the Great. Antiochus was his name. So... The two things I want you to remember, first of all, is 
the disciples of Jesus were first called Christians at Antioch. But to me, even more important, Antioch was a church planting church. They're the ones who sent out missionaries all over the Mediterranean. In fact, to some extent, the Roman world may have become Christianized largely by the work of that one church, the Antioch church. They're the ones who sent Paul and Barnabas out, Paul and Silas. They're the ones who had this vision for making sure that all over the Mediterranean, people had an opportunity to say yes to King Jesus. So we're at that church. When a prophet comes down, his name is Agabus. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. So we actually know a little bit about the dating because Claudius started reigning in the year 41 and then he died in the year 54 AD. In fact, when he died, it was Nero who became emperor next. So we have Agabus. This is the first reference we get to a prophet in the New Testament. Agabus comes out and he's simply just describing a vision God has given him. God has told him times are going to get hard. Now I want to just pause and ask you, what do you think the church did when they discovered the times were about to get hard. So a famine is not the same as a pandemic, but they're very similar. A famine in the first century world, especially when people were crowded into cities, you need to remember that in the first century world, uh, well over half the population lived in cities. And so these weren't people who had a lot of property. They didn't have huge gardens. They didn't have, uh, you know, large plantations. They were living in the city. And when there's a famine, they just had no recourse. There was no food left. So what do you think the church did when they discovered that there's gonna be a worldwide famine. They didn't do what you thought they would do. Because you probably think that they all decided we're gonna stock up on toilet paper. We're gonna all go fill our gas tanks. We're gonna make sure that we have plenty of canned foods, uh, foods in the pantry. That's not what this church did. Listen to what they did. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. What I want you to see is that as soon as the church in Antioch realized there's going to be a famine, the first thing they did was not hoard. The first thing they did was they gave. I guess I just want to paint a picture. Guys, I don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. Um, I don't want to say the wrong things. Uh, who knows? Maybe it blows over in a couple of weeks and uh, and, you know, we're, we've, we feel the tragedy of the people who passed, those who struggled with it, but we also sigh some relief that it wasn't too bad. Or maybe it's much more serious than that. I don't know. Um, I guess only God knows that now. But I will say this. This is our time. North Boulevard, this is our time to rise up and be the Acts Church, the church that stood tall and the church that was firm and the church that didn't run away from problems, but ran towards them with the love of God. This is our chance to do it. And that's really my message today. My message today is that we now get a turn. I personally get a turn. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm like you. I'm very concerned about this pandemic. But there's a part of me that's honored that God would allow me to be part of this that God would allow me to be his hands and his heart and his feet during this time. And I wanna encourage you to, to find some degree of joy in knowing that God has chosen us to be his ambassadors, his messengers, his hands and his feet during this tough time here in the world and in the US, that we get to rise now, we get to show the world. This might be our finest hour.
our opportunity to show the world, look at who Jesus is. Look at what he can do. Look at how calm he makes us. Look at how much peace he gives us. Look how much confidence we have in the face of this thing. So I sat down and I tried to think through what would be a good godlike response for North Boulevard and for Christians to this pandemic right now. I just came up with a few random thoughts and I'm going to do them really quickly. I'll give you a few scriptures and then we'll go to our Lord's Supper. First, I just want to say this. Don't be surprised by the pandemic. I mean, we shouldn't be caught off guard about things like this. So Peter actually says this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes to test you as though something strange were happening. Peter's just saying what most of the world knows, which is it's really odd that we went this long without a pandemic. That in a lot of ways, Christians shouldn't be caught by surprise at calamities and disasters and so forth. We've been repeatedly warned in the Bible that history is marching in a certain direction, that there'll be all kinds of signs and wonders, that there will be, you remember how uh, Joel puts it and then Peter quotes him, he says there'll be blood, it's fire and billows of smoke. The Bible talks about pestilence and famine and persecution. We Christians shouldn't be surprised at this. In a lot of ways, we've had a vacation from history. Uh, in a lot of ways, unless you fought in the Iraqi wars, Afghanistan wars, for a lot of us, we've just had decades of no real national calamities. And so we might have been conditioned to think, well, bad things don't happen. But the truth is, through most of history, most people have had to face things like this. Don't be surprised. The Bible's already warned us that all sorts of things will come before Jesus returns and the end happens. So let's start there. Second, I want to encourage you to say the right thing and don't say the wrong thing. Let me explain what I mean by that. I think during a time like this, it's easy for us to make statements that aren't consistent with the Christian faith. So if you said, for example, ah, oh, you know, this pandemic doesn't bother me. It's not a big deal. Who's worried about this? I just don't think you want to be heard saying that when people are dying. Uh, and when, for all we know, someone that we even know and love could well die. So I wouldn't say things that sound so dismissive that, that we're, not, we're unwilling to take seriously the deaths of other people. At the same time, as a follower of Jesus, I don't want to be caught saying things that sound like I have no faith or no trust in him. I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not worried. Uh, even if it's a bad thing, I'm not worried because I know who's in charge. And I want to say one other thing too. I went back and I read every scripture I could find in the Bible on plague, P-L-A-G-U-E, plagues pandemics. There are 102 that I found, 102 verses in the Bible that talk about a plague. And I was shocked at what I saw. I was shocked. Almost every single reference to plague in the Bible is a plague that God caused. Because I wanted to say Satan has sent this plague. But in the Bible, I can't find an example where Satan sends a plague unless it's Job. He might be the example. Almost every other time in the Bible is God sending the plague as discipline or as chastisement or even as punishment. Now, here's what I want to say about that. You might be tempted to say to the world, hey, the reason we have this pandemic is because you guys are all sinners. And what I want to say is, even if that were true, even if that were true, is this the time to say something like that? Really? So if I were lying in the operation preparatory room at a hospital preparing for open heart surgery. 
Do I really want my surgeon to come in just before the surgery and say, I've been telling you to stop eating those McDonald's burgers. That's why this is happening to you. That's a terrible time for him to say that to me. Now, he probably ought to say that to me. But just before I go into surgery, man, I would really like it if he came in and said, hey, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to take care of you. When you get through this, you can open your eyes and I'll be standing there. This is probably not a time for harsh judgment statements, in my opinion, at least. It's a time for us to show compassion and mercy and the love of God to a world that probably is jittery and in some cases may legitimately be terrorized right now. Okay, number three, stand faithfully as a witness to the world. Let's let the world see that we're faithful to God. Let's let the world see that though we take this seriously, we know who's in charge. I found an interesting text that I had forgotten about. It's uh, found in the book of Numbers, chapter 16. So this is when a guy by the name of Korah, K-O-A-H, he's rebelled against the people of God, against Moses and Aaron, and God sends a plague. By the way, again, almost every plague in the Bible God sent. He sends a plague on the people. And what, go, uh, what Moses says to Aaron is, go grab some of the fire off the altar and take it to the people. And this is my verse. It's actually a powerful verse. It's verses 47 and 48. Aaron did as Moses said, and he ran into the middle of the plague. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense, made atonement, stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. I just want to say that's the kind of spirit, the kind of attitude that I think Christians want to show the world now in the middle of this plague, that, um, that, that we're here to serve. I, I just want to say, if you're susceptible to plague, stay away from it. Anybody who might have this, this pandemic, this virus, uh, you know, if, you're, if your immune system is compromised, if whatever it is, but a guy like me, I want to run into the middle of it. Like, I want to go in and serve those who are suffering. I want to go, and those of you who are able-bodied, I'm not saying everybody, but those of you who have the opportunity as the Lord gives us a chance when we're not putting ourselves at, at some undue risk or putting our children at risk or our spouses at risk, I want to run into it. My, my, my buddy Thad, who um, is a Marine, told me that uh, they were taught in uh, the Marine Corps that when you hear gunfire, you don't run away in the Marine Corps. You run towards a gunfire. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. When we see a problem, we Christians show up and we show up with the love and the mercy of God and also with the truth of God. So let's just let the world see this is how Christians respond. All right, number four, recognize that in times like this, we have to increase the sacrifice. So I already highlighted it. The church at Antioch, when the, the famine broke out, the first thing they did was not go buy toilet paper. And I'm fine with that. I went out and bought it too. But the first thing they did was they sacrificed. This is a great time for us as a church to say, we're going to step up and we're going to give more than what we've been given. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the contribution at North Boulevard. I'm talking about we got tornado victims. We're probably going to have people um, maybe who really need some financial help from us. This is a time for us as a church to say, what do you need? We'll be there for you. Let me read you one text. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's taken up a collection for the Jerusalem church, which is bankrupt now. And he says that those who were from Macedonia gave, listen to how he put it, in the midst of a very severe trial with overflowing joy, their extreme poverty 
welled up into rich generosity. When something like this happens, this is not a time for us to close our fists. That's what the pagan does. They close their fists. The Christian opens theirs. All right, just one or two points left to go. You know this, but let me just make sure we get it. We minister to the weak. We minister to the poor. We care for the children. We care for the elderly. Um, the hallmark of the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is how we treat one another. So this is a good time. Let me just give you this example. We don't know how many more times we'll have to meet in homes rather than at our buildings, at our campuses. But between now and next Sunday, you might be thinking about what it would look like next Sunday if we have to do this a second time. Who can you invite? Maybe some elderly person who maybe they don't even have access to the Internet or um, maybe they're just lonely. They don't want to do it all by themselves. Invite them over. This is a good time for us to care for people who are in the most desperate of conditions, who most uh, desperately need our help. A little quick story on that. I'll come back to the story. Okay, I got two more points. Pray like you've never prayed before. I want you to hear this text, 2 Chronicles 7. The Lord says, I'm in verses 13 and 14. It's a good text for you to remember. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. When I, this is God speaking. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, when I command locusts to devour the land, or when I send a pandemic among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is a time for prayer. You know that President Trump has actually asked us to make today a national day of prayer. And I want to ask you to take some time today with your family or your friends, or if by yourself, will you take just maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes today and just join the rest of the nation in praying that God will act in a powerful way in the middle of this pandemic. I want to say one other thing. We're going to delay the New Day campaign. Uh, you figured out that we probably need to do that. So we're going to delay that one. We're not stopping it. We're fully committed to it, 100% committed to it, but we're going to delay it. But we've actually decided to just keep doing the prayers at six in the morning. Not going to do them in the evenings. And we're not going to do them at Smyrna Laverne now. But at six in the morning, until you hear otherwise, we're just going to be here praying. Feel free to come to the auditorium at East Campus every morning except Sunday at six o'clock. And uh, let's just be a people who pray. When we pray, God does awesome things. And the last thing I want to say, remember who's in charge here. We are Christians and we know who's in charge. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're the ones who can tell the world who their king is, King Jesus. 
This is our time to rise. This is our time. So in 1873, a cholera epidemic broke out in Nashville. Nashville at the time had about 25,000 people living there. About 1,000 people died of that epidemic, which means one out of 25 people died. One man who refused to run, but instead headed right straight to the middle of that cholera epidemic was none other than David Lipscomb, founder of Lipscomb University. Lipscomb wrote quite a bit about that epidemic and what it taught him. And one of the things that he was very careful to say was this. When people are suffering, we who are the followers of Jesus have the opportunity to rise up, make a statement about whom we trust, who is the king, who is in charge. Maybe that's one reason why Lipscomb has done so well, because they were founded by a man so full of faith. So North Boulevard, this is our time to rise, our time to shine, our time to express our confidence and our faith in the King who will be with us today and will never leave us. I'm glad you came. Let's go into our next song. Amen. Amen. In response, let's sing Whom Shall I Fear right now. You hear me when I call, you are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. My strength is in your name, for you alone can save. You will deliver me, yours is the victory. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. And nothing formed against me shall stand. You hold the whole world in your Holding on to your promises. 
says, you are faithful, you are faithful, and nothing formed against me shall stand. You are faithful, you are faithful. I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Amen, church. You got it? Yeah, go ahead. Make my best love. So, Sean and I will share the communion here, and I want to encourage you to do communion in your home. Now, some of you weren't prepared for this. Here's what you do. You don't have to do it now. You can just pray with us, and then uh, if you get a chance today, run out, get some grape juice. Very easy to make the communion bread. Just a small amount of flour, a little bit of oil, any kind of oil, olive oil or, or Crisco or uh, corn oil, whatever you got. A little warm water and a pinch of salt. All you got to do is mix it to a pretty good consistency, put it in the oven, and in a few minutes you'll be ready to eat it. That's all it is. It's called matzah in Hebrew. And so if you're not ready for this, uh, just take some time sometime this afternoon and do it. I would suggest that you prepare. If it's possible, we'll have to do this kind of service again for several more weeks. We don't know, but you might go on and prepare for it and be ready for it so that if next Sunday we do the same thing, you'll be ready already. So, um, Sean, I guess uh, you and I, you want to pray for the bread and I'll pray for the juice? Yes. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the reminder with this bread that we have all things in Jesus Christ through his body, the broken body on the cross. Uh, I praise you for the resurrection, for all promises and hope that we have in the name of Jesus. And thank you for this time together and with everyone in their homes and for this bread. Amen. We want you to have time. I'll pray for the juice. Lord, you bring the, uh, the grapes up from the grounds and you fill them with this juice. You let us squeeze them and enjoy the fruit. In the same way, Father, you brought forth the blood of your son, Jesus so that we could enjoy the salvation that only the blood of Jesus has offered us. We remember that sacrifice, Father, right now as we drink this fruit of the vine. We thank you, Father, for giving it to us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.
Okay, I hope we gave you enough time. So if not, then, then at the closing song, you can go back to it and finish it up. So about the offering, obviously we're not uh, in your home to take up an offering. I suggest you go online. It's really easy to do. If you'll go online, you can, uh, you can give to North Boulevard or um, if, in my case, I, I'm maybe past that generation. I'll just mail my check in. Just mail your check in to North Boulevard. Make sure you mark it for uh, Sunday contribution and we'll make sure that it gets credited towards that. And uh, still give us a chance to keep the operations going for the church until we come back together. So what do we got, Sean? What's next? Well, I just have one more song planned. So announcements? Yeah, whatever you want to say. How about, okay, so (laughs) (laughs) shortest service on history here. Okay, so here are the final announcements. Um, First of all, check the office or the, especially we'd love you to check the website, northboulevard.com, our Facebook page. You need to check it every week. We're not going to decide a, um, whether or not to meet at this building. We're not going to decide in advance. We're going to decide week, one week at a time because as soon as we think it's safe to meet, we want to come back to, uh, together at this building. So each week, keep checking. I recommend that you be prepared to do this again, maybe for another week, maybe for another three or four weeks. I don't know. Be prepared. But as soon as we can come back to this building safely, we want to do that. So that's the first thing I want to say. Second, tonight's service is canceled. So there will be no meeting at the church building tonight. Third, Wednesday night is canceled. No True North, no Bible classes Wednesday night. So let's consider pretty much everything at North Boulevard, everything that's sponsored by North Boulevard from today until Saturday will be canceled with two exceptions. Celebrate Recovery, I think we'll still meet tomorrow night. And um, also Meals on Wheels. Uh, we, we just really think that we need to supply meals. Some of, those, some of the people that we care for, we're all they have. So Meals on Wheels, we're still planning to do meals, meals on Wheels. If you're a volunteer, we'd sure love to have you come and help us with that. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to put on hold the New Day campaign that we've been on. Hopefully we can put it on hold for two or three months and come back to it. The initiatives, we're 100% committed to them. We're still going to plant two to four churches, God willing. West Campus, we are going to build that building. Uh, no <laughs> Virus or not, we're going to do it, God willing. And then also we want to plant, uh, start these 16 disciple-making movements. We need $4 million for that, but obviously this is a really bad time for us to be talking about that. I just want you to know if you've given to it or if you've made a pledge, you can stand firm on that. We're going to put the money towards what you gave it to, and we'll come back to a big giving day, which was supposed to be next Sunday. Now we'll just put that on hold until we see what happens uh, with this virus. And I'm trying to think, was there anything else that we needed to say? I don't think so. You've covered it really well. Okay. So uh, just uh, remember how to say hello, happy face, elbow, <laughs> jazz hands. Jazz hands. Yeah. And what was it? Oh, a gentle bow. Gentle bow. <laughs> And maybe still the, the right elbow of fellowship. The right elbow of fellowship. Guys, uh, I love you. We love you. This church, we love you. And we're so glad that you decided to do this today. And I'm, I'm really eager to get back together as soon as, as, soon as uh, it's safe, as soon as the authorities um, say it's safe. Um, and uh, it, I, I'm actually, I'm pretty happy that we are honoring what our, what our leaders who are trying to protect us have asked us to do. Um, I'd hate to have been a, a governor or mayor or a, a health leader who said, hey, you don't spread this pandemic. And then we just flagrantly did it anyway. So thanks for doing this. And we'll see you, um, we'll see you one form or another next week.
You got the song? I have the song. All right, it's all yours. All right, church, we're going to sing one more song together, a final closing song, one of the greatest hymns. If you have a songbook and would like to turn to 728B, I think that's what it is, 728B, Our God, He is Alive. And uh, I also just want to compliment all of the altos and tenors at home. I thought you were the best sounding group in your homes. I'm very proud of you. Keep reading those notes. All right, here we go. Our God, he is alive. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. There is a God. Son upon a tree, a life was willing there to give, that he from sin might set men free, and evermore with him could live. There is a God, there is a God. He is We'll see you soon.